audio from Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more resources like this one, go to EmmanuelBirmingham.com. Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, well, good morning, uh, church. Um, I want you to uh, indulge me in an exercise right here at the beginning of our sermon um, because I, I just want to continue to like to just stoke the fires of joy. You know, I can't I can't produce flames in this fire of joy. I can only stoke it and allow the spirit to do that. And so I want to do that. I want to do that a little more this morning before we get into our text. Um, so where you are, just where you are, I just want you to take a deep breath. You know, you can close your eyes if you want to. And I want you to think of one thing. This week, just one thing, bring to your mind one thing that has brought you joy. Just in your mind. I'm going to give you a second just to bring that thought to mind. One thing, particularly this week, that has brought you joy. And as you think about it, I want, you to, I want you to just think about what feelings that evokes in you when you think about what has brought you joy this week, what the Lord has done in your life in that moment. Does it bring, you know, warmth to your chest? Does it bring a smile to your face? Does your shoulders kind of relax as you think about it? Just, just keep thinking on that and notice, notice what you're feeling as you think on that memory of joy. And then I want you to think just for a moment, what do you think God is trying to teach you about himself in allowing that moment of joy to come into your life this week. 
You know, sometimes it just takes us to just, just to stop. Just think for a few moments on the many ways the Lord has been gracious to us and kind to us. Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we just pass it by and don't think about it. And it's just another example as we kind of move into week two of this brief sermon series we're doing in the month of June on God as our shepherd and we as are his people, the sheep of his hand. It's just a reminder that God continues to lead us to green pastures and quiet waters, places of rest and joy and refreshment. That's what he does. I mean, he's our shepherd. He leads us to places where we can find satisfaction and delight in him. He's the one who leads and guides and protects and feeds and cares for all of us, cares for all of us. So as we get into our text for this week, we see once again that God is a God of means. He uses concrete things in your lives, particularly in this exercise we just did around joy, to stir up joy in you. I mean, he could bring it out of thin air. He could do that, and he does that often. But oftentimes, he uses means to bring about his ways in your life. And as a God of means, in his divine plan for his people, he's ordained, for lack of a better term, he has created under-shepherds in the body of Christ. Under-shepherds as the means to mediate his task of shepherding his people. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. Under-shepherds. You know, all throughout the scriptures, leaders of God's people were designated as shepherds. I mean, Moses, David, Jesus, as we're going to see next week in John chapter 10, elders in the local church, under shepherds, under the care and leadership of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. These leaders in the church are God's instruments to mediate God's heart in shepherding towards his people. I mean, that's what the term means, right? Shepherding. I mean, that's, as we looked at last week, God is our shepherd. It inherently suggests leading and caring, right? I mean, selflessness and sacrifice mark a shepherd, a good shepherd. You know, good shepherds lay down their lives for the sheep. That's what we talked about last week and we'll talk about next week. Although leaders in local churches may never literally give up their physical lives, I may never literally lay down my life physically for you, I might not ever be killed for you, but every single day, leaders in local churches are called to make sacrifices, to metaphorically lay down their lives for the sheep in a variety of different ways. But with all of God's blessings and giving good shepherds, there are a plethora of bad shepherds as well. And in looking at God as our shepherd, and looking this week at pastors, leaders as under-shepherds, we have to address the experiences some of you guys have had, potentially, with appointed, God-appointed leaders in local churches that have hurt you. I mean, what do you do when leaders in churches use their power or their resources or their desires for self-promotion or gain? What do you do when they use those desires to bring harm upon the sheep that are entrusted to their care? And I'm not talking about simple mistakes. I'm talking like active harm, hurting you. No shepherd is perfect. No leader is perfect. We're going to make mistakes. But what do you do when... These leaders, their quest for ambition and renown and promotion 
and self-glory and ease and comfort. What do you do when these leaders, these things, become for those leaders driving factors in their hearts as under-shepherds and their personal pursuits of these goals bring harm upon the sheep they are called to care for to begin with? You know, I think for many of us, you know, maybe we expect to be hurt by bosses in our workplace that are, may, may not be believers. Maybe we expect to be hurt by political leaders promising you know, the world to us and never delivering. You know, maybe even we expect to be hurt by family members that continue to let us down or say harmful things or hurtful things to us. Maybe we expect those things, but we don't oftentimes expect pain and harm to come from our pastors, our elders, those people, those men God has placed in leadership positions over the care of our souls. We don't expect those things oftentimes. And some of us sitting in this room, we carry significant wounds from leaders in local churches. Maybe we've carried those for a long time. Many more not sitting in local churches this morning have walked away from the church or even the faith because of the failure of their pastors. What might have begun as a close friendship or relationship quickly became something else entirely, where their pastor or leader began using Maybe they begin using you to further themselves. Begin inflicting damage to your heart and soul rather than feeding you what they needed to feed you. Maybe there was just straight up abuse of some kind that you're a victim of from a leader in a local church. Now, whatever the situation you, res- you resonate with, my prayer for you today is that you'll find healing and restoration in our God who cares for us, our God who shepherds us, even in spite of the failure of his leaders. You know, Ezekiel 34 addresses failing shepherds, failing leaders, and God's loving care and provision for his people when those he appoints fail to live up to their office and their calling. And there's a gradual progression through this text to the situation God's people find themselves in and the response of God, our shepherd, towards his people. And just as a side note here, at the beginning of our sermon, I purposely planned this in June for one reason, and that reason is that June is our month of elder nominations. And so as we work through this text and you see qualities and characteristics that probably should not be in shepherds, I want you to want, do two things for me. I want you, one, to pray for our elders of this body, for Ark, for Cody, for Buster, for Hunter, for myself. And the second thing I want you to do is I want you to pray that the Lord brings to your mind as we work through this text potential leaders in our body that could fill the role of elder pastor in our local church. And I ask you to nominate them. We've got the month of June to bring forward names of people we feel are qualified to serve us in this capacity. So I ask you to pray for us, and pray for anyone that could potentially fill that role. So two things, just as a side note as we begin to work through our text. So three sections here, framing up our text. Three sections. The first section is in verses 1 through 10. We'll call this the failure of the human shepherds. The failure of the human shepherds. Read with me again verses 1 through 10. Eric did such a great job, but I'm going to attempt to do it again. 1 through 10. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who've been feeding yourselves, 
Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for the sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. I mean, the Lord's just like, just firing out of the gate, right? He's not wasting any time here. He doesn't have much compassion upon leaders he appointed who failed to live up to their role and calling as spiritual leaders in Israel. You know, kings and priests are probably who the Lord has in mind here in Ezekiel 34, these men who are in these offices of leadership, and he's prophesying this message right smack dab in the middle of Babylon coming in to take the southern kingdom of Judah and deport them into the land of Babylon. I mean, God is literally removing the leaders and the people of Judah from their land due to their continued worship of idols and refusal to follow Yahweh and his commands. And this is after repeated attempts on behalf of the Lord through the prophets, repeated attempts through warning after warning after warning that this was coming to repent and turn back to the Lord. And they just failed to do so. And as the people are being deported, around 580, 590-ish B.C., 587 B.C., the Lord through Ezekiel the prophet He wants his people to understand who is ultimately responsible for this deportation, and it's the leaders. It's the leaders in the kingdom. You know, God is not excusing the sins of the people, for they participated in the idolatry of the nation as well, but he holds the leaders of the people ultimately responsible for not leading the flock, his people, into greater relationship and worship of himself. In verses 1 through 6 specifically, Ezekiel highlights that the negligence of leaders always leads to harm for those they lead. The negligence of leaders always leads to harm for those they lead. You know, negligence here may be too weak a word. It's the one I pick, but it might be too weak a word. But I think you see an active and a passive negligence in these verses on behalf of the leadership. Verses 2 and 3, you see the leaders actively feeding themselves. And they're slaughtering the fat sheep or those in their care that have much to offer. If you want to look at it like that. They're just just butchering them, exploiting them in self-serving ways until they have nothing more they can offer the leaders. Taking everything from those that have a lot to give until there's nothing left and they're just laid waste. And then they move on to the next one. 
Then at the end of verse 3, because they're so busy feeding themselves, the leaders fail to lead the sheep under their care. Their preoccupation with their own gratification and comfort far outweighs their desire to care for those who would depend upon them for their nourishment as well. Verse 4, the language is even more heartbreaking. I mean, the sheep, they needed mending, the weak sheep, the ones that needed help the most. The sick, injured, strayed, lost, all the sheep that literally had very little to nothing to offer these leaders in their own selves, the shepherds just straight up abandoned them. They just leave them. The text says in verse 4, with force and harshness you ruled them. Ezekiel speaking to these leaders. You know, the ones needing the most gentle guidance and care were the ones that were being belittled and beat down and neglected. Shepherds refused to waste their time with those that couldn't benefit them. Now, this language here used in the Hebrew is almost identical to the language used in Exodus chapter 1 to describe Pharaoh's treatment of the Israelite slaves. The leaders of Israel have become less shepherds and more slave masters. And as a result, the sheep are scattered over the face of the earth. You see it literally happening as Babylon's taking them captive, right? The sheep, they're wandering around trying to find their way back to the flock. And verse 6 says there's no one to search or seek for them. There's no one going after them. I mean, it truly is a, just a heartbreaking word picture and description here in these first six verses. And it's not hard to make connections into our own modern-day church context here. You know, the definition of a narcissist is a person who's overly self-involved and often vain and selfish. That's literally the definition. I looked it up this morning. That's literally the definition in Webster's. You know, the word narcissist literally comes from the story of Narcissus, Greek mythology, if you're familiar with it. You know, in the story, Narcissus was known for his beauty. When he was a baby, his mom was told by this blind prophet that her son would live a long life as long as he never recognized himself. And so for a while, his mother was able to keep him from actually seeing a reflection of himself in any form of reflective surface. But one day, as Narcissus is by a pool of water, he catches a reflection of himself in the water, and he becomes so obsessed with his own reflection that he literally sat down and gazed upon his own beauty until he slowly wasted away and died. Narcissists are captivated by themselves. They are in love with their own beauty and ideas and talents and skills. Narcissists will befriend and exploit anyone that can help them get ahead, and they will ignore or overlook those that cannot help them achieve their desired goals. Narcissists tend to be overly ambitious, gregarious at times. They lack empathy. They can be arrogant. And because of all of those needs and desires they have, our pulpits tend to be full of them. I mean, what better place for narcissists in their quest for admiration and power than a place of spiritual authority? A place where they can demonstrate their skills and have their voice heard and communicate their own vision and agendas, be popular while remaining distant and use the Bible to undergird everything they say. You know, what Ezekiel is describing here, and what many churches experience from their pastors and leaders, are men who take and take and take and take, 
while doing very little to give and to care and to sacrifice for the good of the flock. So I don't, I don't think I'm a narcissist. <laughs> I feel like my therapist's loving wife would tell me if I was a narcissist um, or if I was exhibiting even behavior of a narcissist at any given time because she loves me and she's kind and she's a straight shooter. So there you go. Um, but this is one of the reasons I rejoice that we have a plurality of elders in this church. And we believe that every elder pastor of the five that serve us have equal weight under the authority of Christ and his word. It's not just about me, my ideas, or my agenda. It's about us collectively pastoring you and caring for you and binding you up and feeding you and sacrificing for you, for your good and for God's glory, regardless of the cost. You know, I may be the only paid pastor here, but I'm one of five pastors here. And I guarantee you, if you know Art or Buster, Hunter or Cody, they would step in and call me out if I was fleecing you, so to speak. You know, narcissism is a disqualifier for pastoral leadership among God's people. You know, a leader may possess all the qualities and speak and look the part. They may be overwhelming with charisma and charm. But any pastor who chooses personal ambition and care and their own personal care over care for the flock has made himself ineligible for pastoral ministry. And as a result of these failures of the human shepherds, the Lord personally delivers his people from their corrupt leaders. It's verses 7 through 10. You know, the language here is that the shepherds have become the predators, devouring the sheep, feasting on the sheep, and the Lord himself states that he is against them, which is not a place you want to be, against the living God of all creation. That he, God, will require an account of the sheep directly from the hands of the shepherd. God will be the rescuer of the sheep, not from the wild beasts of prey, that's a portion of, but not only from them, but he'll also rescue them from the shepherds of the flock who've now become the wild beasts themselves. The language in verse 10 is he'll take the sheep out of the mouths of the shepherds that have been feasting on them for their own personal gain. The elders, the pastors of this church will one day have to give an account to God for every single member of Emmanuel Church. And we currently have 64 members of Emmanuel, adult members. We'll have 67 after Wednesday night at the family gathering, but 64 right now. And obviously a lot more attenders and a lot more children. But 64 adult members of our body. And our elder team will one day have to stand before the Lord and give an account for you by name of all 64 of you that the Lord has entrusted to our care at this point in the life of our church. And as your under-shepherds, did we feed you the word of the Lord? Did we bind you up when you were hurting? Did we seek you out when you were straying? Did we guide you in harshness or did we lead you in gentleness? When you wandered away from the flock, did we even notice you were gone? When we dropped the ball in leading you, did we make appropriate restitution and seek forgiveness from you? I want you to know that every single one of you, 64 members, if you're a covenant member of Emmanuel Church, every single one of you 
is directly prayed for by name, by myself or one of our elders all the time. We know your names. We know your kids' names. We pray for you by name. You are not anonymous here. We know you. And nor, by God's grace, will any person who's a covenant member of Emmanuel ever be anonymous or unaccounted for. Because we, the elders, pastors of this body, will have to give an account before God, our shepherd, for every unaccounted for sheep in this body. Every single one. And if we further our own selves at your expense, the Lord will remove us from leadership at some point along the way. We will be unfit for the office of pastoring you anymore. But I want you all to know, I want you all to know that as of today, June 11th, 2023, you are all known and you're loved and you're prayed for and accounted for by our elder team here at Emmanuel Church, every single one of you. We got to keep moving. All right. Um, I could spend more time there. Don't have time. Don't have time. Next section here. Next section. Uh, So verses 1 through 10 were the failure of human shepherds. Verses 11 through 22 are the faithfulness of Yahweh, our pursuer, our pursuer. I'm going to read for us verses 11 through 22. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I'll rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I'll bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. We'll bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and all the inhabited places of the country. I'll feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pastures they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I'll seek the lost, I'll bring back the strayed, I'll bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy, I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of, clean, of, clean, of clear water that you must muddy the rest of your, the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you've trodden with your feet and drink what you've muddied with your feet? Verse 20, therefore thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push with side and shoulder and thrust it all the week with your horns till you've scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep. Two things, two things about the Lord's pursuit of his sheep here that we see in these verses. First, the Lord, active, pro, the Lord proactively cares for his sheep. The Lord proactively cares for his sheep. You know, after God removes the corrupt human shepherds, it's he himself here that intervenes and does the work they failed to do. I mean, listen to the phrases. I will search for the sheep. I will seek them out. I will rescue them. I will bring them out. I will gather them. I will feed them. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind the injured. I will strengthen the weak. I will destroy the corrupt ones. Proactive care. Proactive, purposeful, intentional care directly from the Lord's hand. 
The rescuer coming to your aid in the aftermath of being hurt by pastors is not another pastor. It's the Lord himself. He is the one who comes to restore you. Not me, not anyone else. It's the Lord. And in this history of God's people, the, the proactive care, it's already happened in stages. If we're taking a historical look at where we're at right now in salvation history, you know, God goes on to bring captives back from Babylon under Cyrus, king of Persia, about 70 years later. He brings them back around the 5th century B.C. He sends Jesus to seek and save the lost, right? The good shepherd, which we'll look at next week, and some this week, but mostly next week. And he will one day fully and finally rescue his people out of every tribe, tongue, nation, and people where they have wandered, where they've been dispersed. It's like an already, already, not yet, right? And again, God's a God of means. And one of the means of proactive care of his people in local churches, again, are elders in local churches, pastors in local churches. You know, so often, so often, pastoral care for people in crisis or in need is reactive rather than proactive. And what I mean by that is that when marriages are on the brink of failure or a man or woman is on the edge of abandoning the faith or abandoning the church or significant needs are brought to light for the elders, oftentimes in many churches, by the time those concerns reach the ears of the elders, it's too late for anything to be done because we weren't actively involved in your lives to begin with. We weren't proactively going after you. We're just waiting for you to come to us. If sheep wander and nobody's going after them, they're not just going to wander back. They need the shepherd to proactively go after them in their lostness, in their wandering, or they're just going to wander away forever. I pray that God in his grace never allows the quantity of our members, the number of our members at Emmanuel Church to ever exceed the quality of our care. May we never grow so large numerically that we cannot provide adequate, proactive pastoral care in the lives of each of our members. You know, if God chooses to grow our church, that's his prerogative, if he chooses to grow our church, then we will move more men into elder pastor, pastoral leadership positions to be able to handle the quality of care this body needs. And listen, my primary goal here, my primary goal is not to grow this church as your pastor. That's not my primary goal here at Emmanuel Church. If I base my calling as a pastor on my ability or effectiveness to grow this body numerically, I will never find contentment or joy in ministry because it will never be big enough. It'll never be big enough. My primary goal here at Emmanuel Church is to make sure the people here are pastored and cared for and loved and shepherded well. If God gives growth, praise the Lord, but that's not mine to give. It's not mine to give, it's his to give. What he has tasked us to do as elders, what he's tasked me to do as your pastor, is to make sure you are proactively pastored, and that is what I will seek to do. Seek to pastor you. Not grow us numerically, but grow you in the faith as we walk through this life together. So the Lord proactively cares for his sheep. And then second, he purposed, this is a hard one, Christine. I tripped up on it this morning. He purposely protects the weak from the strong. Purposely protects the weak from the strong. 
verses 17 through 22, his attention shifts in the text from the leaders to those within the flock who use their power and influence to bully the weak in the flock. He starts to speak to the sheep, not just the shepherds. And he says that he'll rescue the weaker sheep from the hands of the stronger, fat sheep, the oppressors, the oppressive sheep. And he'll separate sheep from sheep. Not only will he separate bad leaders from the flock, but he'll separate bad members from the flock, essentially. Now, we will not bully each other here, church. We're just not going to do it. You know, we're not going to use our prosperity or money or position or influence or power we may have out there in the world. We're not going to use that to get our own way here in the body. That's not what we're going to do. Rather, we're going to use whatever influence the Lord may give us out there to sacrifice and build up and care for our people in here. You know, I've heard horror stories over the years from buddies of mine and other churches concerning those that, like, give the most money wield the most power or positions of influence in their churches, using that to get their own way in local churches. Threatening to withhold their giving if the pastor doesn't rule this way or do this thing. Not here. Not here. It's not because I'm some bastion of courage and I'll refuse your request to your face, although I hope I will do that, uh, but it's simply because that's not befitting for the people of God. We are not those people. God's people do not act like that. But we are God's people, and Jesus, our good shepherd, gave up his positions of power and wealth and honor to serve us. How much more should we give up our positions of power and wealth and honor to serve one another, not further our own kingdoms? It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Again, I can spend more time on that, but we don't have time. Keep going. Lastly, lastly, let these last points here, for the sake of time and for the sake of next week, we're going to let them just kind of propel us into next week when we look at John 10, all right? So not only do we see the failure of human shepherds in this text, the faithfulness of Yahweh, our pursuer, in this text, but third, we see the fulfillment of Jesus, our good shepherd. The fulfillment of Jesus, our good shepherd. Read with me verses 23 to 31. 23 to 31. The Lord is still speaking. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. I'll make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I'll make them and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. They shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. And I'll provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. 
Two points here as we close. Let us lead, it in, lead us these two points into next week. One, Jesus is the model shepherd for all under-shepherds. All shepherds in local churches are to lead like Christ. And apart, anything apart from his example is not of God. Now, unlike Jesus, we, as your leaders and shepherds, we are human. He is, well, actually, let me take it back. We make mistakes in our sinful humanity. Jesus was human, okay? Mark that from the podcast. Jesus was human, all right? I'm not, I'm not teaching anything heretical. He was fully human. But we are sinful humans, right? Jesus was not. We're human. But even amid those mistakes, you know, I pray we follow the teaching of Jesus and we seek forgiveness from you when, our, when we drop the ball in leading you, because we will. We're going to let you down. I pray it's not active harm. We're going to let you down. So I ask you to be gracious towards us as your pastors. So we're going we're gonna to fail. And may we seek forgiveness and reconciliation from you in those moments. And then secondly, Jesus ushers in unprecedented peace for his people. And more on this next week, but the, the picture here Ezekiel gives is of a, of a people not only blessed by God, but actively blessing one another as well. As a sheep of God's pasture, we know, we know the peace of God. And we're designed to be a people of peace to fill the earth. To fill the earth. He is our God, Emmanuel Church. He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture. And I pray, I pray, and I ask you to pray for us as your leaders we pastor you like the Lord. That we remember that he has called us to this for the sake of his kingdom and his glory and his righteousness, not our own. So may we all find our identity and joy in the truth that he is our God and we are his people. And let us pray this week that we're reminded that he is pleased and delights in us because of Christ. May we be mindful of those places he is leading us to and guiding us into that bring joy to our souls. Let's pray together. Father, there's so many nights where I sit at home and reflect on the day of pastoring these 64 men and women and their families that you've entrusted to our cares, elders, and there's so many nights I just feel so inadequate for the task. My prayer, God, is that we as leaders don't bring reproach upon your name that the people that you've entrusted to us in this body, that they are built up and cared for and fed and guided and sacrificed for and 
led and cared for and bound up and for the sake of, of your call upon our lives. And this is what you called us to. It's what Christ came to do, and it's the task Christ gave to his leaders, local churches. It's not about me. It's not about the elders. It's not about the, the growth and the status of Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. It's not about any of those things. May you remove me from leadership far before we get anywhere like that. We are mediators, voices, reminders to the sheep of this fold that you are good and that you love us, that you care for us, that you take great joy in us. Just to quote John Piper, to hold a flaming torch to the glacier of the human heart. God, give us the grace to do that. And the humility to admit when we fall short. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for our shepherd. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.